Welcome to the Melrose Place cast. My name is Tej. I'm a Melrose Place super fan going back decades, and I'm here to convince my friend Mary that this show counts as high art for the generations worthy of literary praise. And I'm Mary, and I'm here to convince my friend Tej that it's a trashy soap opera, and that's okay. Join us on our very, very long journey from season one, episode one, pilot, to season seven, episode 35, Asses to Ashes. Oh, good news, Mary. There's the reboot season that we get to watch as well. What? And Models Inc., the spinoff. There's a spinoff. And we should probably review Beverly Hills 90210 when that's all done. Wasn't that on before this? Why would we do. Oh, it was. Oh, yeah. Mary, did but you I, watch the episode? It, I did. I watched it very closely. Uh, there are three characters we're waiting for to spice things up. Kimberly. Yes. Sydney. Yeah. And Amanda. Oh my God. We're at one out of three. Yes. The other, another out of the three, Sydney, we learned. Uh, Jane said her mother was going to be disappointed because she was her mother's only daughter. And I thought <laughs> that starts to explain Sydney's character flaws. If, she, <laughs> if her mom feels that way. Because she shows up pretty soon, right? It's not terribly far off now. Like, Yep. Yep. So yeah, it's surprising they didn't already sort of have that in the works. Maybe. Yeah. But, oh well, <laughs> now we don't. But, but we've got Kimberly. Dr. Shaw is here. Oh, thank God. Just on the highest level, Mary, what did you think of this episode? I will say a lot happened in this episode, which I appreciated. It moved along and things happened. And I was also tickled by the number of sort of key visual scenes I had remembered from this season in my head that happened in this episode. So there's Billy wearing the bra. Yes. And Matt being very awkward at Jane's ultrasound, like, I'm not the father, I'm just a friend. Yep. <laughs> Which makes me laugh. And then, of course, Puppy, who just steals the whole show. I mean, I didn't realize that was all in this one episode. That's a lot. And Kimberly. And Kimberly, I did completely forget this was her first time here. <laughs> I knew she was there, but I forgot it was the first one. They packed a lot in this week. Well... I thought this was a clear example of high art. I have three specific reasons. Oh, good. Can I, can I tell you one? Yes, please. This episode brought out more rage in me than the Stalker episode. Oh, wow. <laughs> but I'm holding on to it. But here was a piece that I thought was high art. It represented what people of this particular age group might have thought or done in the early 90s. The storyline with Jane and Michael is that Jane goes in to have an ultrasound and she finds out that the, the baby has died. It did make me think, Mary, for several weeks, you and I have been criticizing the lack of a baby bump growing, and I now regret that. <laughs> in hindsight, yes. In hindsight. Yeah. Although I, I don't know that I give the show that much credit that that was actually something we were supposed to pick up on. <laughs> but I thought that um, specifically what I thought was a realistic portrayal of how people would react, how people back then of this age group would have reacted. So we're thinking early to mid twenties, uh, Jane referred to this as the first really terrible thing that's happened to her because in this version of reality, her little sister does not exist, right? Her little sister is terrible. Oh, but can't wait. <laughs> so Jane's friends to make her feel better, Sandy and Rhonda, see, I'm holding in the rage, I'm holding it in. Sandy and Rhonda just on their own, decide to get them a puppy. They don't ask. They don't see, would you like a puppy? Uh, they, for, 
apparently don't care that the apartment complex does not allow dogs. <laughs> and that one of Michael's jobs is the apartment complex manager. They just get them this puppy and force it on them. Now, Mary, I'm a lot like Joe Biden, as you know. Mm-hmm. People always. It, yeah. In that, you know, just like Joe Biden, Mary, you know me, right? Mm-hmm. You know my character. You know my values. You've seen me deal with adversity. So you know you can attest that I am not the type of person to hold a grudge. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. However, 11 years ago... Oh, boy. Two of my friends thought it was a great idea to just ignore the fact that I had said, no, I don't want a dog. Ignore the fact that I had a dog that I could not train well and just decided to work with my partner at the time behind my back, lie to me repeatedly and force a dog on me. And this 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 episode reminded me of just how how angry that that made. But I I really thought Sanda and Rhonda doing that one. That is a level of irresponsibility that makes sense for kind of early to mid 20s. I don't think it was Rhonda. I think it was Jake. Because at the scene when the dog shows up, they come outside and Sandy's holding the dog, but Jake's holding a giant sack of dog food behind her. Unless I just missed Rhonda. Okay. I'm going to concede that point. You're actually right now that you say it. This does pull back. I had some words for Rhonda. But here is why I think this qualifies as high art. All right. It it was a level of irresponsibility for that age group that was appropriate. It was a sense of, you lost a baby, you'll take this dog instead. That made sense to me as well. And just like my friends that did that to me, Sandy gets written out. (laughs) Yeah, it's all the same. (laughs) Although I, I, I still do send them birthday cards. Well, that, that's nice. That's very Joe Biden-esque of you. <laughs> yeah, because I'm much like Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. I hear that all the time. Is it because I'm texting you every day saying, don't forget, I'm a lot like Joe Biden? <laughs> that and like yelling at me to go vote. <laughs> you know, Mary, this episode won't air until early January. Really? So at this point, we'll between now, if for our listeners, it's October 24th as we're recording this. I'm up in the Upper Peninsula, up near Mary, where there is six inches of snow on the ground. That is not an exaggeration. <laughs> By the time this, between this recording and its airing, we're going to find out who won the election. I mean, probably. Well, probably. What really happened to Chris Christie? Did the Electoral College go as intended? <laughs> is there a military coup in the works? All of these things are going to be revealed. But right now, we're just talking about Joe Biden doesn't hold grudges. <laughs> Much like me. God, I just hope that whenever society crumbles, they'll have access to Melrose Place. I, this, that dog showing up, I, I remembered Puppy's existence. I had forgotten how they got rid of Puppy, which was they gave it to the woman that found Puppy. <laughs> I had forgotten about Puppy's, how Puppy came in and how Puppy left. But when I saw, when I realized like, oh, they just thought they could just walk on in and say, oh, you're going through a hard time. We're just going to burden you with all this huge responsibility that you did not ask for, that you did not want. One of you is so tired, you never have time to fix the pipes until 10 p.m. at night because you're working as a, as a, as a doctor. You can't even make it to your wife's ultrasound because you're so busy. So we're going to give you a dog? No, no, Christy. Unacceptable. I mean, Sandy. <laughs> I agree that 
I would n- also not give anyone a dog. I don't think you should give anyone anything that's alive. <laughs> generally, <laughs> maybe a house plant, but even then, I feel like you should ask first because they might not want that. Maybe they have allergies or or other animals in their house that dig into plants, like at my house. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Pick the things that are inanimate when you give gifts. Give them a gift certificate. Like send them computers for a night. Well, and, and more specifically, if you have said, hey, would you like this gift? And the answer was no. <laughs> don't do not do it anyway. <laughs> I feel like this is a very pointed issue and I empathize. I will let it go. And much like I applaud you for being so much like Joe Biden and not holding a grudge. Well, let's just see if you still say that after my sponsor. <laughs> Oh boy! Right. Did you did you find evidence of this being a trashy soap opera this week? Oh, I always do, and I'd like to talk about Billy and the Bra, (laughs) (laughs) which should be its own sitcom on its own. I have to say that sounds like a very sexist interpretation of referring to like like what a a frat boy would say about his his brother and his girlfriend, like Billy and the Bra. (laughs) It does now that you say it. Oh, God. No, now that you said it, you said, don't put this on me. Well, I think we're both at fault. (laughs) Okay. Billy and the Bra. Which I will bring back in a moment, because that is something that came up during this subplot. Billy's a slob, and Allison scolds him, and they make a bet. And so he's supposed to clean up the apartment within a week, or he has to take her out for dinner. Which sounds like a punishment for both of them. (laughs) Whatever. The next morning, he gathers up his laundry, and awkwardly, he also takes hers and goes down to the laundry room where he bumps into Jake, who's in this weird outfit. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was. I don't know. It was something Sandy would have worn, <laughs> to be totally honest, right? Those jean shorts were low cut. They were low cut and tight, and he had this tight little tank top on. And I'm like, well, I don't mind looking, but this is just a weird outfit. Uh, <laughs> Maybe that's why I transferred my anger to Rhonda unfairly. <laughs> that could be. Uh, so Billy starts sorting the laundry, which, on, let's be realistic, he wouldn't have done that. He dumped it all in a washing machine. But he comes across one of Allison's bras and literally says, yabba dabba do, because he's a grown-up. <laughs> Jake is just as bad and goes, hoo-wee, because I'm sure Jake's never seen a bra before. Uh, <laughs> Jake holds it up to his head like Johnny Carson doing Karnak, and he goes, I'm getting a vision. I see it's a 34D, and Billy doesn't get it, and Jake has to explain to him that the size is printed on the tag. Like, <laughs> this? Anyway, uh, Billy puts the bra on over his shirt, and he talks about how, how do women get these on every day? These clasps are so confusing. But then he's like, oh, this actually feels pretty good. <laughs> like, this is a weird scene. And then we see angry feet stopping uh-huh. stairs, and it's Allison. And they do one of their weird Seinfeld comedic bass lines. And she's like, give it to me. And she glares at them. And as she stops back upstairs, the dramatic Melrose guitar riff comes, which tells us this is not the end of this. <laughs> We're going to hear more about it. And- so Mary, quick question. Was Allison right to be upset in this moment? I think yes. Because I, I think he didn't ask if she wanted her laundry done. Um and maybe that's an arrangement they've had, but I didn't get the feeling that it was something that had been going on just based on her talking about what a slob he is. Well, not just that. From what I know from my research watching Hedvig and the Angry Inch, 
a, a significant storyline in that movie adaptation of the musical is you do not wash bras in a washing machine. They warp. Is that correct? It can be correct. Yes. I yeah. think it did. So Billy, Billy was out of his depth. Oh, yeah. As usual. <laughs> so sure enough, uh, Billy gets home and Allison has had Jake install a lock on her bedroom door. And Billy. <laughs> okay. Okay, do you think that was an accept- appropriate response? It was excessive, and I also thought it was weird that she asked Jake because Jake was involved in the weird bra play. Like, okay, I guess Michael wasn't home. He had to ask someone else. <laughs> He's too busy chasing around a dog he did not want or ask for. Uh, Billy decides to try to smooth things over, as only Billy can, by saying, well, if you'd just come in there five seconds earlier, we were singing your bra's praises. I mean... Talking real admiration and respect. <laughs> and Allison responds, she's living with an absolute pervert. And he says he's living with an absolute prude. I'm like, ooh. After they learn about Jane and Michael losing the baby, Allison is up and can't sleep. And Billy finds her. And he talks about how, oh, their pipe fight seems so pointless now. And we were both acting like idiots. And it's like record scratch. And Allison's like, mm, no, you acted like an idiot. And this dumbass digs in his heels again. He's like, all I did was, eh, and he looks and gestures at her chest. And Allison's like, whoa, Nellie, you were staring at my breasts. And Billy denies it. She's like, this is why I was angry. First that thing with my bra, and now you're undressing me with your eyes. I'm like, which seemed a bit excessive. I understand she's upset, but I'm like, okay, dial it down just a little, Allison. Uh, He retaliates by breaking into Allison's room with Jake to get his boombox and his tapes and then they make a big show of sitting outside the door when she's getting work drinking brewskis and listening to his terrible tapes so she gets mad and goes in his room to dig around and tries a dirty magazine called playpen and goes oh is this your research material for your writing and he responds i've submitted them some articles i have to keep up on what they're doing (laughs) which was a funny answer uh, and she says, well, that's what you like about centerfolds is they don't talk back. And that's also a good line. But now the show is getting near the end. So we know it's going to have to get resolved. So they bump into each other by the fridge and they bicker. And Billy won't look at her. He lets his <laughs> eyes wander into the forbidden zone. Meanwhile, his finger is pointing like Karen from Will and Grace. Just like, you know, the forbidden zone, like making Z's over her chest. It was pretty funny. I don't know if it was appropriate, but it was funny. <laughs> and then she finally opens up and says she's so sensitive about this because when she was a kid, her mom got sick and they didn't talk about it. And it was breast cancer. And her mom had a double mastectomy and her dad treated her weird. And so they all have weird body issues. And she hates girly mags because make a woman attach her self-esteem to her breast. And she needs to get better at talking about her feelings and also notes that she envies Billy's ability to just ramble on endlessly about anything. And then all is forgiven because the happy guitar music starts. So it's all fixed and it's all better. And we've resolved um, all of mankind's sexist problems, I think. But there was tucked in here, I thought, a kind of a high art example that I'll stick with, which was specifically they did this thing. It was clear that Allison was wrestling with something, right? That she was reacting in a way that was part of her backstory that she didn't, didn't explain. And what she... You know, she pointed out not just that her mother had breast cancer, but that it took her years to feel good about herself and that her father made it worse. And I thought they were addressing body image issues in a in a fairly serious way for the show. And I think 
at the time, we were largely dealing with storylines about anorexia and bulimia, both of which are also good and important to discuss. But I thought this was a different take on it. Um, and I thought they handled it well and kind of brought out to light that the connections people have to their bodies and their the interpretations of their body is deep and drives people in ways that is not always clear. I think that's the point of this whole series so far. Is that, is that an overstatement? <laughs> no, that seems perfectly legit. No, I think you make a fine point, and I, I would agree that the addition of that element to that storyline made it a lot more substantive, I think, because could have mm-hmm. just let it go with her, I don't like messing with my stuff, and that would have sometimes been what they would have left it at. <laughs> so, yes, I think it's fair to say that that, I don't know if elevated is the right word, but it it put a little more meat on the bone, so to speak. There was there was this one scene where she was looking in the mirror after the shower and like she had one hand that was like slowly running down the, the middle of her chest. Right. But she was kind of shown just a little bit below the shoulders up. And it was clear she it was clear there was something there. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And it was weird at the time because I I I just could I just couldn't figure out what they were doing. But when she revealed it at the end, it, it seemed both plausible and explanatory at the same time. Yeah. I would agree with that. At the same time, even even without the the her mother having breast cancer backstory and the double mastectomy, uh, Billy was just playing in the wrong uh, period. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, no, and he was so dumb about it. Like, can I say since I think we're going to move on from them uh, in the second half, one other thing that uh, just a clear example of sexism in the show that I don't even think they were aware of. Yeah. In this storyline. So Billy and Allison make a bet because Allison is sick of cleaning up after Billy. So the agreement is not that Billy does more than his fair share, only that he do just the bare minimum, just the 50% that he's already agreed to. And if he just does what he's already agreed to, he'll get taken out to dinner. And I thought, no, if he just meets his bare minimum obligations, you don't reward him with a what is clearly a date. They were gonna, they're going on a date, is where they were headed, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. No, I, I agree that yeah, it's <laughs> clean up your shit, Billy. <laughs> Pick up your stuff. Stop it. <laughs> well, be, between the uh, the audacity of the free dog and the the storyline with the the women's mammaries. Did I did I persuade you yet that this is high art, or do we need more time? I think we need a little more time. This is a public service announcement. Attention! Lost dog. Small white dog adopted recklessly by one twenty-something to give to another as a gift after they lost a baby? <laughs> puppy might respond to the name Puppy, Jimmy, Barney, or simply Dog? Well, usually he just keeps running no matter what they say. Dog was last seen on the beach. Or maybe it was the courtyard. Or possibly out by the garbage cans. If found, please visit www.findpuppyjimmybarnett.org to report your sightings in our online forum. Please help us find this poor lost plot device. <laughs> Mary, what if, I, what if I find a puppy but I want to keep it? I mean, does it so it matches the description of puppy Jimmy Barney dog? Plain as day, it is clearly the right dog. I think it's fine if you keep it. They don't seem very attached. They haven't even named it. 
What if my intention is to keep it to kind of fill a hole left by my late husband? I think as long as you can name it something other than the name of your late husband, because that doesn't sound like a dog's name. What if my intention is to, to keep the puppy just to force it on a friend who doesn't want a dog and has plainly told me that? Then I'd have to assume you work for this as a bad idea. <laughs> Michael and Kimberly, because I forgot this was her first episode. Uh, We see them palling around at the hospital before Jane's ultrasound. And Kimberly, who gets along with their boss, is telling Michael he should just ask to switch his schedule. But Dr. Levin doesn't like schedule changes or Michael, so he's like, no, you can't. Uh, Kimberly, after they find out about the miscarriage, approaches him and she's like, oh, I'm so sorry, you know, but I'm surprised work and she kind of raises the specter that Michael's in denial and he gets of course because he's Michael he gets all pissy and he leaves very melodramatically and he's like I thought surgery was going to be your thing not head shrinking I'll see you in the OR (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) Uh, later he's getting chewed out by their boss again because he made what sounded like a relatively small mistake with a patient Uh, and he gets sent home as punishment and Kimberly kind of chases him and then uh, I enjoyed last Kimberly was not in this scene but later at the beach when Michael is looking for the dog which we'll talk about in a little bit uh he says that Dr. Shaw helped him out of this funk and Jane's like oh have I met him and Michael responds uh no and actually he's a she and Jane says should I be jealous and Michael says probably (laughs) he's hey look he's being honest you know he is being honest I'll give him that and I had a good laugh at that line that was very funny so yes I think this is we see all of the machinations are working, and I think we all sort of know what's coming. <laughs> when Kimberly was getting soda from the soda machine, they were cans of soda, not bottles. Yes. I swear the label said 65 cents, which would be highway robbery in 1992 prices. Did you notice that? I didn't notice that. You need to watch the show with your dad. He would have picked that up. <laughs> He still talks about there's one uh, soda machine in a neighboring community that's only 50 cents. And Ooh. every time I go to that town, he asks, did I check that machine? And is it still 50 cents? I think it just had to be 35 cents. And I just saw it wrong. And it seems like they would cut him a deal in the doctor's lounge. Like it probably would. I don't know. Because they're kind of stuck at work for, you know, 24 hour shifts. Like maybe they would try to make the prices pleasant. I don't know. Do you think Michael is aware that Kimberly just outright wants to have an affair with him? I don't know if he is yet, but he will be. <laughs> he, what is? He'll, he'll be leading that charge. I think the last few episodes, Mary, have really been highlighting Michael's sexist side that they didn't show for the first few. The first few episodes, they really wanted us to think of him as just this nice guy working hard. Yeah. And we're seeing that he is uh, sexist beyond belief. Uh, discriminatory, that he's rude, angry. And I think we're starting to to get a little bit of glimpse to the, the dark side of Michael Mancini. I would agree. Yeah, it's escalating. It's it's slow, but it's it's growing. And I look forward to it because it's much more entertaining once he's evil. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have any more, anything else to say on this trashy point? No, no. Okay. I have a high art point, Mary. Oh, good. And it's one that I can see through my specific lens in the world. 
because just like I'm a lot like Joe Biden, mm-hmm. I'm also a lot like United States Senator up from Wisconsin, Tammy Baldwin, and that I am gay, as is uh, gay Matt. And there were two moments in this episode. One of them has to do with Michael Mancini revealing his sexist side that I, I could just really relate to because I felt like I'd been there in this care in, in Matt's shoes in both cases. So one, Michael can't make it to the ultrasound. So neighborhood gay is just going to be the stand-in guy, right? <laughs> and, it, you know, I've, I've, I've definitely been that person. But Matt's going to take Jane to the ultrasound instead. But then, Michael, this asshole just rubs it into Matt that he can't make babies. Because he's like, oh, Matt, you're just wait till you see it. It's incredible. It's, it's just the most amazing thing to see a life that be made. And it's like, you know what? Fuck you. We can adopt kids. I mean, back then we couldn't adopt kids, but now we can adopt kids. You can take your goddamn attitude and shove it. So I've been where Matt has been, being the, yes, you're gay, but you're still technically a guy. So we're going to let you go. <laughs> yeah. And just the, the rubbing it in. The other moment at the very end, Matt is walking with Jane, talking about her problems because he's the standing gay. And they have Puppy with them, apparently. And then they realize Puppy is missing. Now, they're on a beach. With the, they're walking by where the water is, so there would have been paw prints, but nonetheless, they go around yet looking for puppy. Jane is yelling puppy. Matt is just yelling dog. <laughs> and they don't know which way this dog ran, but they to go look for puppy, they both run in the same direction, <laughs> which was stupid. But that's not my high art point. So they come back to all of Melrose places at the beach looking for this dog, at least a day later, maybe days later, putting up flyers. And... Rhonda, sweet Rhonda, who I blamed for being the villainous type of person who would hoist an unwanted dog on someone. (laughs) I don't hold grudges, but (laughs) is with Matt and they're talking about how hard this must be for Jane. And Rhonda said some version of what did Jane ever do to do this, to deserve this. And Matt said, you know, nothing. That's not how that's not how it works. And Rhonda said, I know, but you just want to blame somebody for something. Mm -hmm. And out of nowhere, Matt was like. Yeah, it's just like my friends with HIV and AIDS. And I was like, no, it's not at all like that. Not at all like that, Matt. Again, I, I saw that the connection between Matt and Rhonda to be able to have a, a frank conversation about social injustice showed itself. And I, again, could relate to Matt. I appreciate any time Matt gets to have one of his speeches because, and I, I don't mean to minimize his character, but that's a big part of why he's on the show is to represent, uh, which is not fair because it's it shouldn't just be up to one character to have to carry all those things but it's the same thing that happens to Rhonda. do you have a final trashy point mary i do and i want to talk about puppy (laughs) (laughs) not that we haven't already talked about puppy but i just i just love the puppy storyline because it's so stupid and this is one of the things i've heard most enjoyably about when I watched season one for the first time a few years ago I was enjoying the parts that I forgot like I forgot that it was Sandy and Jake that brought the dog I knew the dog got so did I and I just watched it (laughs) I really like that when they they tie the leash to the door and then make them follow it's just weird and awkward and I love that Jake is hefting like a 40 pound bag of dog food over his shoulder like a caveman (laughs) it's just so weird Mm-hmm. I know I already said this, but if someone's having a hard time, don't get them something that's alive that might live for up to 20 years and needs to be- Do not do it. Get 
do not do Get it. Get him a gift certificate, like to the spa or shooters, whatever. And for, for Jake, Jake's lunk of a brain to say, what, I've already got the dog food, as though <laughs> problems are solved. <laughs> this is going to last 20 years. It's totally fine. Unlike your relationship, Jane and Michael. Oh, zing. Uh, I enjoyed the scene the next morning after the dog had gotten into the garbage because that seemed very realistic from what I know about dogs. Like mm-hmm. that Michael yelled at the dog to discipline it and then it peed on his back. <laughs> For those- yeah, that's what happens when someone brings you an unwanted dog. <laughs> I like that right after that, Jane tries to take it for a walk, but like she doesn't know how to operate a dog. But the dog won't listen. And so Sandy comes to try to help. And <laughs> Sandy, she's like, it's all in the tone of your voice. You just got to know who's boss, just like with guys. And I'm like, Sandy, given your track record, I don't know that this event is going to hold a lot of water. <laughs> so then I can't believe how much of this I forgot. So they're trying to get the dog to sit. And for some reason, Sandy just unhooks its leash. I don't know. <laughs> and the dog goes tearing off out past the mailboxes out to the street, and they're chasing it. And uh, the scene, like you talked about, where they're at the beach, her and Matt, and the dog is not leashed, and they're throwing a stick. So you're just asking it to run. I don't know a lot about dogs, but they're going to run. And like five minutes go by where they're talking. They never once look down at the dog. And then they're shocked that the dog ran away. And the fact that she's just yelling puppy and he's yelling dog, it's just, I laughed and laughed. It makes me laugh so hard. Speaking of shoehorned, uh, I enjoy that they clearly, this is all a metaphor for the baby. And Jane tells him that the dog got lost and he gets all mad. And he's like, you allowed this animal into our apartment and then you lose it. And I'm like, oh, this is getting weird. <laughs> I don't like oh, I could relate to Michael there. <laughs> I really also enjoyed that. So they go to the beach to look for the dog and we see Matt and Rhonda hanging up the lost dog posters and reward is in quotation marks. And so is there a reward? I don't know. I also like that there's a picture of the dog on the side. I'm like, you only had this dog for 12 hours. You had time to take a picture and then you thought to go get it developed and get it onto your lost dog poster at Kinko's. I, I don't know, baby. My favorite part is when they find the dog and it's at the funky old lady's house. And she's named him, which they never got around to doing. She named him Barney because she couldn't think of anything else. <laughs> she says, my late husband's name was Daryl, but I never heard of a dog named Daryl. I'm like, this is a I've never heard of a Daryl that age. <laughs> 1992 had to be at least 60. You know, if he was roughly the same age as her. So someone born during the Great Depression named Daryl? I don't think so. I don't think so. And uh, I really love, okay, so they clearly leave the dog there, which is good for the dog. The dog's going to have, I mean, this lady, she lives on the beach in California. I assume that property is expensive. So she's going to be able to buy lots of dog food. She says something like, come back and visit any time. And they say, sure we will. And I'm like, no, you won't. <laughs> We're never going to see this dog again. And so I'm happy. I'm happy for Puppy because Puppy found a much better place to live. Uh, I'm happy for the lady because she seemed like fun. And I'm sure she'll enjoy having Barney, who was Puppy, there. And I'm glad that uh, Michael got that dog out of his place because he really didn't want it. Every- you know who else needs to get a dog out of their place? <laughs> oh, boy. Jane. I'm calling Michael a dog. Oh, oh, I, okay. <laughs> I go for subtlety, Mary. <laughs> so subtle. I enjoyed, I enjoyed Puppy. I forgot. Again, I forgot Puppy was in this episode. I knew it happened at some point, but 
a lot a lot went on it was it was a it was this this is the start of the turnaround for melrose place interesting because all of the characters i learned this from amy locaine who plays sandy that they for this normally she said characters are signed on for the pilot and if it's picked up then they can re-engage for a longer period but because this was a spinoff of 90210 which was a, a hit show they went ahead and, and signed them off for half a season right away. That's why Amy Sandy lasted so long until she decides to start giving away puppies to her friends who did not want her ask for one. And then she needs to go. So what's interesting to me is that it's picking up is that the show, like they must have had the first bunch of shows written before they started recording. And then this must be when they were getting enough feedback from the audience to know to spice it up a little bit and start to give us some plots that are going to go more than one episode. And I actually think that Kimberly Michael may be the very first one. I think you might be right about that. Mary, do you have any other highlights you'd like to point out? I do. I have several about Matt and a few others. Uh, I really liked uh, during the opening scene when they're watching those really boring baby movies as a mm-hmm. I thought was odd. I like that all the straights are kind of cooing like, oh, it's a baby. And Matt says, uh, just out of curiosity, how many more reels are there of this? been been there sister oh man i could feel that Uh, at the end of that scene and i watched this like five times to make sure uh they're all leaving the apartment one by one and as matt is leaving michael clearly says see you mark (laughs) i watched it and i listened and the closed caption read with me that he said mark that made me laugh I liked that when Matt was dropping off Jane for her ultrasound appointment, he starts rambling about when he got his tonsils out when he's a kid. And I wrote all this down. He said, four years old, I get off this gurney and I run down the hall with both hands around my throat going, no, you can't have them. I want them. <laughs> and that was funny. I liked him in the ultrasound room when he kept saying, like emphasizing, I'm nope, nope, not the dad. Nope. Just, just a friend, really just a neighbor, just a neighbor. <laughs> I'm super gay here. Super, super gay. gay. I loved uh, Allison and Billy's shower curtain, which was pink and covered with drawings of cats. I don't think I've ever seen that before. The outfit, I'm almost done. The outfit <laughs> Billy was wearing when he knocked on the bathroom door to tell Allison he was going to shooters was completely insane. He's wearing a pair of maroon gym shorts with a sort of matching baseball cap. And then he's got this ridiculous jacket on that's like Zubaz with all the stripes but not really because there's like drawings of hearts and stars and stuff too it's just insane like, but it's, I don't understand where it came from or why he's wearing it just quickly if I can jump in I had that noted too I wrote down this is what my note says <laughs> Billy says he was always the class clown and he is dressed to prove it <laughs> it's oh god yeah it's a you can't miss it I'll tell you, I'll say that and then the last thing I wrote, which you already brought up, is how when Jane got off the phone with her mother, she's talking about how, how disappointed her mom will be about the baby because, you know, she's her only daughter. <laughs> like, oh, things are going to change very soon. <laughs> how about you? Anything? I, I did. I noticed they are dressing Matt better. Yeah. And I noticed, and I have to say, this was not my, I was not the one to realize this, but one of our friends that recorded one of the other Melrose Place podcasts, a couple episodes pointed out that Allison is dressing better. She's, his direct quote was, she's getting hotter. (laughs) And I 
I'm putting this together with this, the storylines heating up, Marsha Cross coming in, that it was, you know, the, the first few episodes aired and the writers are starting to respond to the audience demand for something um, steamier and more uh, scintillating. Mm, scintillating. <laughs> yeah. I also, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to, dwell on it but i had a, a couple notes because right after billy said that he was always the class clown suddenly then i wrote gdmf surprise puppy from sandy and jake the dog ate the trash see double underline question mark exclamation point why would you do that you don't just bring a dog i also noticed that jane wore an awesome necklace oh when was that the necklace with, there were alternating stones, but what, every other one was turquoise. Oh, I, I didn't, I'll have to go back. Well, Mary, I think we're going to need another week before we can settle this heated dispute. So we'll, we'll just keep trying. Much like Dr. Shaw trying to get with Michael Mancini. And also just like Joe Biden, we're not holding a grudge. This week's episode of the Melrose Place Cast is brought to you by the newest business on the corner of Mulholland Drive and Vine. It's Dr. Shaw's marriage counseling. Should I be jealous? Probably. <laughs> Dr. Shaw's marriage counseling. On the corner of Mulholland and Vine, if you remember, it's now right across the street from Jane Mancini Baby Seminar and Kitty Corner from Divorce City. So we've got three businesses all coming together as your marriage is starting to take root and die. For you to come and take care of things all at once. So no matter what level of disillusion your marriage is at, we have got you covered. Just come to Mulholland and Vine and you'll get to the right place. If things seem to be going too well right now, go to Jane Mancini's Baby Seminar where you're going to find that your husband is a sexist, discriminatory jerk. <laughs> if it's already at the end, just jump right over to Divorce City and get things underway. But if you're in the middle, Dr. Shaw's marriage counseling is for you. We have the highest level of discretion in town. And this is in a city with the paparazzi. So this we take it very seriously. You're going to come in through the front door. So it's a frosted glass. So once you're in, people won't know that you're in there. But don't worry. We have two exits out the back because you're definitely leaving separately. <laughs> when you come to Dr. Shaw's marriage counseling, she's going to hit on your husband. And she's going to win. <laughs> if you're not ready for Dr. Shaw's marriage counseling, take that stop at Jane Mancini's baby seminar, and then you will be. And in exciting news, there's one more corner on Mulholland and Vine. Oh. And we've just broke ground on a new business. It's about a year away. Would you like to hear about it, Mary? Oh, I can't wait. I can't Sydney's wait. Sydney's brothel. <laughs> These four organizations together, if you are a woman about 23 that wants your single life back, you are going to get it. Just bring your husband, set him loose, see which way he goes. <laughs> Everything will be fine. Three organizations, all here for the disillusion of your marriage. Soon to be four. This is Dr. Dr. Shaw's marriage counseling. Should I be jealous? Probably. <laughs> you know, I had heard that Dr. Shaw was more interested in, in surgery than becoming a head shrinker. But I'm really glad that she's taken this turn because she seems to really have a knack for it. She does. She has a knack for so many things. So many things. So she, she plays mind games very well. She's also fantastic at seducing married men. Mm -hmm. She can, on her own, rig bombs and blow up an entire building. Allegedly. 
Allegedly. I think she admitted to it. Well, we don't, we don't know that yet. No. <laughs> Hashtag spoiler alert. <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> That's a good point. She's um, an expert on wigs as well. I'm just really, I mean, I love the idea of how convenient this is for so many couples that yes. you can just pull up, find one parking space, be within parking distance of so many really innovative and helpful with to deal with your marriage to dissolve your marriage listen <laughs> mary in la there are so many young 20 something couples whose marriage is just fueled on unspoken resentment and chili dogs <laughs> oh so many i mean who doesn't love a good chili dog with their spouse exactly so if it takes chili dogs to get you in the mood you're gonna want you're gonna want to come to mulholland and pine you, that's what you're going to want to do. And whether you started Jane Mancini's baby seminar, Dr. Shaw's marriage counseling, either way, you're ending up at Divorce City. <laughs> and or Sydney's brothel, which is going to be great. Listen, there's two exits outside the back of Dr. Shaw's marriage counseling for a reason. One of you is going to Sydney's brothel once we get it up and running. <laughs> First, we have to acknowledge that Jane does have a sister. Not to take anything away from, you know, Ms. Shaw's establishment or the others there. If I were... Dr. Shaw. I'm, oh, I'm so sorry. Dr. Shaw. If I were an enterprising soul, you know what I would be doing right now? I'd be looking for some open rental space right there. Get yourself a chili dog stand set up. Like, then you've really, you, you're getting them in at every angle. Well, Mary, of course, Sydney's brothel is going to have a, a fully functioning chili dog stand on the inside. You know, that's... <laughs> to, that's to get people ready. That's a solid business model. You get, people love chili dogs. It's important to note that uh, there will be gluten-free buns available, as well as uh, vegan chili dogs. Oh, now it sounds less good, but... Well, and regular. I mean, regular artery-clogging American chili dogs. Yeah. The, the type that you can put candles in and take through an emergency room. <laughs> so versatile. Who knew the chili dog could do so much? So come on down to Mulholland and Vine. Dr. Shaw's marriage counseling. Should I be jealous? Probably. <laughs> so wait, seriously, how, how long does this show go on? How many episodes are there? <laughs> Man, I told you this, right? So there, it goes to season seven of the original run, but then there's the, re the reboot season. So there's how many reboot seasons? Just the one so far. So far. Okay. But there's also, but then Mary, there's the, the Amazon has the true story of Melrose Place movie that we should cover. Oh God. How long? Yeah. And, and uh, Mel, uh, Models Inc. has to be covered too. Wait, what the hell is Models Inc.? It, it's a two season spinoff. Of what? What do they <laughs> Of Melrose Place from the lady from Dynasty was on it, I think. The lady from Dynasty, my God, this was like a whole industry. And I do think 90210, to get to understand where this show came from, is probably worth exploring. I, I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> and then when Allison left, she went to Allie McBeal. Does it have anything to do with the content of Melrose Place? I just feel like, how, do you really want to be an expert in this or not? I mean, I think you know the answer to that. <laughs> okay, so we're in for all of it. Oh, God.